Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. I am your host, life coach, Jacob Sokol, and I'm honored that you decided to click that play button on your phone or on your computer or wherever the hell you are tuning in from. But uh, today's interview is going to be a good one. So welcome to the show. If it's your first time here, you know, my work is really about combining street smart practicality with deeper spiritual principles that don't need to feel so woo-woo, so far out there, so esoteric, so Deepak Chopraian, but instead just the reality of like, you can live a better life. Let's see how to do that. And navigating the subtle nuances of Dealing with real deal challenges, not this theoretical nonsense that can be really inspiring to to hypothesize about, but the actual realities of like, dude, you got to go have that tough conversation or yeah, I know it's scary, but breathe when you're faced with that situation and go into it. And those are some examples, but pulling it back and kind of going into today's interview, today's interview is with Izzy as I call him, or Ismail Arkin, as his parents might call him. And uh, Izzy is a former middle school teacher. He worked in L.A. in uh, not the best of neighborhoods. And he ended up quitting his job to then move to Japan to, I shit you not, become a ninja. Okay? Left his job, decided to move to Japan, pursue his lifelong childhood dream of becoming a ninja. And when Izzy was in Japan, he gave his life to the study of martial arts, and he got his second-degree black belt in Aikido. And at this point, Izzy is traveling around the world, living in nature, training in Aikido, and really using Aikido to help transform the lives of entrepreneurs, of coaches, of leaders, of impoverished communities, and at-risk children. So uh, I've had the pleasure of knowing Izzy for the last few years. We've developed quite a tight relationship, and he's just an incredible guy. Anybody who I introduce Izzy to pretty much ends up falling in love with him. So Izzy, I'm sorry for the swarm of love notes you may be getting after this interview. And for everyone who's listening, when you actually make it till the end, you'll laugh because there is an opportunity for you to connect with Izzy quite intimately that uh, is going to be unorthodox and probably like you've never seen before. Uh, So in today's interview, we dive into a couple things. Number one, we dive into the biggest dream killer that you need to watch out for, okay? We also dive into the how to combine a sense of practicality with your big vision, okay? And we talk about how to deal with people who think you're crazy when doing unorthodox things. We also talk about how to navigate uncertainty when going out there and taking on these new dreams. So stick around. Izzy is an amazingly wise man. Um, he's a ton of fun, and uh, and I think you're going to enjoy today's interview with no further rambling on from me. Let's do this. Izzy, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, my pleasure, dude. Well, I am uh, inspired to help bring your work out into uh, my community and the world as at, at large and uh, and just to get to kick it with you. So, you know, you've been called a, a ninja, you've been called an Aikido master, um, and 
at the core of it, how would you describe like the essence of what it is that you do, whether it's, you know, ninja work, Aikido, uh, coaching, what's, what's the core essence of it for you? Hmm. The core essence for me is feeling, uh, it's, it's feeling life. It's feeling the present moment. And with that, what I love to feel, what I want to feel is I want to feel adventure. I want to feel a sense of purpose. I want to feel a sense of mission, in my everyday life, in my everyday actions, in my everyday experiences. When I walk 10 minutes to the store, I want to be able to see a tree and just be like, whoa, that is fucking so cool. And be, but grounded. There's a groundedness to that. Um, and I struggled with that for, for most of my life, always wanting to be in the future, always wanting to be somewhere not exactly here. Um, Yeah. So tell us more. It's cool to hear you kind of geek out on this tree, right? <laughs> like, holy fuck, it's a tree. That's amazing. And yeah. I could hear how some people will be like, oh, so cool. And then other people will be like, but dude, be practical. Like, how long can you stare at a tree until your money runs out or whatever? Trees are very expensive. So tell, <laughs> us, tell us, you know, what was that insight for you? It said that you, you were living in this place of being inspired and, and looking into the future, but then also now finding the groundedness to support that. What, what was that shift or that insight like for you? Yeah. What I, it's, it's interesting because when I give the example of the tree, it's more uh, symbolic of the, of, the, of, of the way I desire to exist. And I believe that many of us, most of us want to exist. And the most practical thing for all of us is the present moment. The, the most realistic, most practical thing, the most empowering thing that any one of us have has is right now. Anything that we want to do to create in the world, we can only do right now, right here. I cannot jump six months into the future and start doing something. I cannot go six months into the past and start doing something. The most practical thing is this present moment here and now. And so I'm beginning to understand that can allow us to go, well, what do I want? What do I desire with my life? Whatever that may be, right? So maybe maybe someone wants to find their purpose. They want to build a business. They want to feel more, more fulfilled, more happy. And they have a ton of things going on with their life. They have work. They have relationships. They have health. They have all these different variables. And the simple reality is that all we can do is become aware of right now in this moment, this is what I do desire. This is what I do deeply want. Okay, cool. Wonderful. So what can I do now in order to move forward with that? And simultaneously, this is when we really get into this moment of, wow, that's a fucking amazing tree is, wow, like it's really fucking great and cool and wonderful that I can have this desire for something and I can take a step right now in this moment and I could enjoy that step, find the, the wonder, the, the miracle, the miraculous in the fact that I can move towards that one thing that I have always wanted and find the joy in that, be in that space. Um, 
So what do you find when you work with your clients, when you coach people, what do you find stops them from what you're talking about, from uh, being here now and, and taking that, that step that actually really matters to them? Yeah. Um, hmm. I think what, what often... There's different things, but I think that what often stops people, um, they, they feel like they have to do so many things and it feels overwhelming. And I think it can, it, it one of the things that's so overwhelming is that, okay, even once we're aware of what we would like, to do with our life. And sometimes when I say that, being aware of what we like to do with our life, it can mean a variety of things. I'm aware, one person can be aware they want to build a coaching business that works specifically with men on sexual issues. Another person could be aware that I won't be happy. Either is fine. They're both an awareness. So one thing is that we're aware of that, but then there is a ton of information out there that says, well, if you do this, this will give you the answer. And so I think there's often this sense of overwhelm that so I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to begin. And the underlying thing with that is I have to do the right thing. And so I don't have the freedom, the opportunity to fail, to screw up. We forget that we're capable of taking one step slowing down, reflecting on that one step, learning and growing from that one step, and then taking another step. Um, uh, yeah, it's almost as if like, you know, if I want to build, if I want to build the world's greatest pizza, I don't just start throwing it all together in one smorgasbord. It's like, I'll go find myself some fantastic pepperoni. And maybe someone else is going to find themselves some fantastic cheese. Maybe someone else is going to start by making the world's greatest dough. Maybe someone else wants to find the greatest garlic. All of those are totally wonderful ways to begin making the world's greatest pizza. It's just actually slowing down and going, taking the time to find the best garlic and like enjoying that. Like it's like, man, like good ass garlic. Like, yeah, let's try it a little. Let's taste it a bit. Well, now that we've had some insight as to your aspirations <laughs> of where your life is headed, uh, that's that's fantastic. You, you know, one of the things that I repeatedly hear people quote you on is that step two kills dreams. Tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, um, and I'll make this more uh, get even I'll get more practical with it with my journey. So, um, you know, I was a middle school teacher in uh, Los Angeles, California for many years, right after college, four years. And I was unhappy doing that. And so I began to step back and question what I really want to do with my life. Um, and this crazy idea kept, idea kept coming, I want to be a ninja, I want to be a ninja. And that over time had me moving to the other side of the world, Japan, giving my life to martial arts, living there for four years, becoming a second degree black belt, leaving Japan, traveling around America, studying Aikido. And with all of that, it's, it seems it's so much. But one of the things about it was that early on, at some point I realized that as long as I could take 
one step, um, then I could, I could take one step and then have my feet land, figure out where I am and then take another step. And one of the, the barriers that I noticed for myself when I would begin to block things is when I started to think too much in the future. So I was in Japan and living in the countryside and I wanted to find an incredible martial arts dojo. Now, I knew I couldn't live in the countryside. And I remember just being like, how the hell can I do this? And what, I, what also clicked for me was, well, the first and most important thing that I have to do is I need to leave this area. I need to find another city to move it. And I started to get ahead of myself, think, well, what if they got to get city, got to find work, I use this, this, this. But then I realized, wait a second, like, if I can just do one step, find another city to live in that I would like to live in, in this case, um, then I could do that one step, I could grow and develop from that one step, become a new person as a result of taking that action, learn from it, grow from it, be with it, and then get back down and go, cool, what's my next step? Because um, often what we think is step two, and what we think is step two, we don't actually know if it even exists. And it might be step 22. After we take step one, we might discover and learn so much that we might even realize we don't have to do that. And so when I say step two kills dreams, it's because we sit on our asses and we go, oh my God, so I want to do this. I'm so inspired, da, 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 da. And then we start thinking about, we, we think, okay, I'll first take this and then I'll do this. But then we go, oh, this step two, but oh, I, how do I do that? I don't even know how come do it. Where could I start? What do I do? And before we know it, we've completely paralyzed ourselves. Hence, so that step two kills dreams. Mm. Yeah, it's like you can't see around the corner until you get to the corner. But so often we sure. are trying to predict what exists over there. We're trying to say, oh, well, you know, if only I was more strategic or I'll use Google Maps to try to figure out what's around the corner and is fucking make it so complicated. Um, but, but actually, you know, having the guts and the courage to walk to the corner, to walk out there and take step one does involve going into uncertainty. And you live your life with a level of uncertainty that I think most people would die of a heart attack from. <laughs> How have you learned to deal with uh, living in so much uncertainty in your own life? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it has been a journey. It's totally been a journey. Um, I think I think one of the biggest things is realizing that that certainty is a deception. That I, I was under this concept for many years when I was a teacher back in Los Angeles. I had my entire life planned out. I was. I was a middle school teacher. I was on the fast track to get my master's degree in education so I could become a principal. And then after that, I wanted to become a professor at a university. And after that, I want to get involved with the board of education. I want to get involved with politics, change educational system structures. Like I had, I mean, I had the pitch down. I sounded good, you know? Um, and, uh, I thought I, I, I thought I sounded good <laughs> at the time. And, but the thing was, is that I had the entire plan in place and yet, I was I was totally unhappy, totally unfulfilled, um, and so I started. Well, I I don't get this. Like I, I know everything I'm I'm planning to do, and I even could tell you here are the steps to make it happen, and yet I, I didn't feel any sense of joy, any sense of purpose, any sense of excitement in what I was doing, and 
what I started to, as I started to get away from all of that, I started to really question what do I really want to do with my life. What I started to notice was that if I had a big vision, that could inspire me. But when I started to think of all the details of everything I wanted to do and had to do in between, it, it became overwhelming. But when I just thought of one step, then I went, huh. Huh. And it's time and time and time of not being in the present moment and realizing how I freaked myself out. Um, I, so I, one of the, the big shifts for me was when I decided to go all in on building my business. I was living in Japan. I was I, I had been going at it really hard, really intensely. I had six months. I had worked really hard to save up six months of expenses. So I had six months of expenses saved up. And so I quit any part-time teaching English at that point in time, living in Kyoto, Japan, and doing a ton of uh, Aikido, martial art, and then building my business. And the thing was is that I had six months of expenses, uh, savings. And pretty much from the second I quit that part-time job, I started to get every day more and more and more overwhelmed and more fearful that the money was going to go away. And it was always based in this future, in this future. And at some point in time, um, uh, what happened was that I became so stressed out and so overwhelmed um, at some point. um, And I basically, the money was near its end. Money was like, I didn't, I actually reached a point where I did not have enough money to cover the rent and the rent was due in two weeks. Um, I'd gotten all the way to that point and I'd just been building up the stress and anxiety and tension. And then, so I went out and I'm walking and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm walking along and I just start to hear the birds and I see the trees and I was like, huh, oh, that's like, I was like, oh, it's a really beautiful tree. That's nice. And all of a sudden I sat there and I go, wait a second. I'm existing right now in the fear that I have had for the entire six months. The last six months, this is the moment that I was terrified of. What if I'm I'm out of money? I can't pay my rent. I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? Like, what's that going to be like? And as I sat there, I went, huh. And then it also clicked. Wait a second. I'm fine. I'm totally, I'm fine. Everything is okay. And it started to make me realize, wait a second. My fear is always rooted in the fear of what my life will be like sometime in the future. But right now, right here, I'm cool. I'm totally good. And I started to go, what if I could just what if I could just create from here? And it, and that was, you know, and many more lessons along the way that were similar to that experience in other ways. And you hit it from all angles. Um, but it always just comes back to that simple idea that like dude, life is now, like, this is life. Am I dying right now? Are things falling apart right now? Is everything collapsing right now? No, maybe if X, X, Y, Q, P and R don't happen in a week, in two weeks and in, in five weeks, then I might be in a more challenging circumstance. But that's, that's faith. That's just a, that, that 
Like, I don't know that. That's, I, I, there's no way I did not, it's not known. So why am I having faith in my fear? You know, we can have faith in possibility or we can have faith in our fear. I've just realized that, I mean, if I'm going to choose to have faith, I'd, I'd rather have faith in my possibility because it, you know, it feels better. <laughs> it's more fun. <laughs> That's great. I think part of the reason people put faith in their fear is so that if the worst case scenario is to happen, that they don't feel blindsided. It's kind of like, ah, I told you it was going to happen. Or or there's some like, ah, I knew it. Like there's a sense of significance that they get from that. What I love that, that you brought up was that it was like, yo, I had to experience my fear in order to realize, you know what? this ain't that bad. I'm experiencing the thing I'm most afraid of and actually I'm still okay. And what I've recently been paying more attention to is that most of the time when we're afraid to do something, we are already experiencing a level of the thing that we're afraid of if we do the thing that we want to do. So for, for instance, let me paint an example here. So if, let's say you want to be in a really fulfilling relationship, but you're afraid that if you open up and connect with someone really from your heart and you really share who, what, what's going on with you, what matters to you, who you are, and that they, you know, they don't really reciprocate or accept you or they're not into you and they turn you away, you're going to end up lonely and sad, right? Well, you're already lonely and sad. You don't have someone in your life right now, right? You're already experiencing some version of that. Or, you know, someone who, who's in a job and, you know, they want to leave their job to be, um, I don't know, more, have a more exciting life. And, uh, and, but the fear is that, I, I don't know, if I go out and if I do this thing that really matters to me, you know, um, what are... You know, what, what would I think of myself if, if uh, I'll be a failure if it doesn't work out? Well, you're already experiencing that sense of failure because you're not doing what it is that you actually want to be doing, right? And so you, you can, like you and me, actually get to the place in our life where we, where we go and we actually feel the fear of like, fuck, man, I, I went to this place and you know what? I was able to survive it. Now I know I can take on what I want to take on. But for everyone who's listening, you can really think about what is the thing that you're so afraid of and is it possible that you're already experiencing that thing right now and so why not move forward with what you want to move forward with yeah yeah uh izzy you mentioned the birds and the trees one of the questions that i had for you is why the hell do you spend so much time in nature (laughs) yeah sometimes i wonder the same thing um (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's uh, one of the things that I realized. So, among the many walks, one of the time when I was walking, um, I was feeling overwhelmed. I was trying to get, and this was during that time and space where I was really trying to get my business up and going. And I remember I was out, I, I was so stressed out and overwhelmed, I went out to walk. And at that point in time, I didn't really believe in that concept of creating space and getting out and being nature and walking. And um, I was out there and I was walking and I was like, you know, I was like, man, I was like, I wish I could just get paid to think. Like, I was like, that's all I want to do. I just want to get paid to think. I was like, that's what I'd love to do. Like, just, I just want to hear people. Like, I just want them to talk to me. I could just like ask them questions and then they could think harder and I get paid for that. 
And I was sitting there and I was like, huh, walking. I was like, and then I realized, wait a second, that's coaching. Like that, that, that's what coaching is. You listen to someone, you ask them questions that get them to think differently. It's like, oh, like that's what I want to do. And so at that point in time, that's, that's actually how I had the insight to like go all in on coaching. And one of the things that also did for me and, and it's representative of is that we often think that if I just do, 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 there the solution will be. But one insight, one thought, one discovery can change everything. And, and, and rather than having to spend six months, 12 months, three, four years trying to inch by inch figure things out, if we can take the time to step back and create some awareness, um, then we could have this, this, this idea that changes everything. And what I've discovered is that the way that we change uh, our thinking is we, change, we shift our consciousness. We, and when we shift our consciousness – we, ch- we shift our entire experience of our world. And I mean, I mean if, if, if someone wants to experience this and see on a very, very simple, straightforward uh, level, then go into the closet. Just go into the closet and close the door and do it for three minutes and feel that. Just be in there, okay? Dark, cramped, closed, feel that. Now, then go outside for three minutes. Do the same thing. Right? You've simply and the and the, the experience shifts. Now the environment has shifted, but what's really shifted, your consciousness actually can shift within that experience itself. By shifting our consciousness, our world changes. And I've discovered that by being in nature, it's one of the great ways in which I shift my consciousness. Um, I'm wondering what percentage of people listening to this are in the closet right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. great. Uh, that's really cool, and it's it's a super simple and illustrative example of you're in the closet, right? You go in there, it's dark, it's cramped, it, it affects the way you, you feel and the way you think, and uh, conversely, you go out into nature, and it's like, holy shit, there's a sense of expansion, connection, uh, life, alignment, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that, that makes sense, and I know one of your uh, passion projects that you do is you take people into the woods, I think dudes specifically, um, for a few days. What do you do? So, you, you know, you bring someone into the woods for a few days. What is that like? And, and do you even know, because I know the way you create is kind of on the spot oftentimes. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, uh, it, it's so interesting to me. Um, I mean, even I, I'll even go into how that was created because I think this begins to honor that the whole process and place of coming from a different place. Um, I went, I went on a big trip, and I was out in, I was, I was traveling, and I was in Europe, and I was in Italy, and I was out in the countryside, and I was actually feeling a lot of frustration with myself, and just, I was just kind of pissed off. I felt like I could be creating a lot more in the world, making a bigger impact, doing more, and. I was like, well, what do I really want to do? What, what do, and all these different elements of martial arts and nature and the wilderness and men's work and these different variables were all coming together for me. And I, but I didn't see anything. And there was also God. There's this spirituality, all these different elements. And I didn't see how any of them could come together. They just kind of were these 
these pieces. And then what happened was, as I'm sitting there and I said, what if I bring it all together? And I was like, well, I have no idea what that, how I'd even do that. And I was like, well, what if I did? And then I thought, well, I could just bring dudes out into the wilderness. Like I'll just bring dudes out in the wilderness and like, like we'll just connect with ourselves. We'll do things. Cause I knew what I knew was that because I had traveled and spent quite a bit of time camping and being out in nature of how much it shifted me and shifted my world. And so then from that space, I was like, okay, cool. That sounds awesome. How the hell do I do that? Like, <laughs> like, I, like, where do I find these people? What do I even do? Like, this makes no sense. This is crazy. And so I was just with it. And I just said, I said two things to myself. I said, well, I just need to go out and start telling people about this. Like, just get it out in the world. Just start talking about it. Just start putting it out. Um, and that would have been in no, that would have been in no, uh, October of 2015. Um, and it was just planted in me. It was planted inside of me. And then uh, a few days later, I was sitting out there and I was looking at the stars. And as I was sitting there just noticing the stars, I was like, huh. It's like if I look at the stars and I put my hands really close to my eyes, I was like, if I look at it like this, I only see this much. But like if I take my hands away, it's so wide open. And I realized that the all of the limits in my life are simply the limits of my own creativity, which I realized then and there that my capacity to create this was just based on my capacity, my own creative capacity. The more creative I am, the more I am able to create. Um, and so with all of that, um, then it's been, it's been an entire journey to even, to even create the project itself, which, um, you know, in the beginning I had no idea what it was. I still don't know what it is. I'm still learning. I've already taken, I took, I took one dude out into the wilderness in February. I'm taking three dudes out in June. I'm going to be taking five people. I'm now going to make it co-ed in August. So I'm going to bring men and women out into the wilderness in August. Um, what is it? Uh, crazy shit. <laughs> awesome shit. Um, yeah, here's an example what I'll give because the whole thing is, is about shifting. It's about really slowing us down, really shifting our consciousness. Um, I, got, I took the guy out in February out into the wilderness and on the first day, he's a doer. He gets things done. He's very fast moving. Um, he knows how to make things happen. Um, and so grab from the airport. We go to a place and I looked at him. I said, when is the last time you did nothing? And he was like, well, I meditate. Every morning, I said, that doesn't count. That's something. But when's the last time you did nothing? And he was just quiet. He's like, I can't remember. I said, okay, cool. Well, that's what we're going to do for the next 60 minutes. And then we just sat there in silence for the next 60, 60 minutes. Um, and it's, And what it, that begins to do is it begins to slow us down. And as we begin to slow down, we begin to connect with a deeper place within ourselves. We start to have interesting questions, interesting insights. And what I've discovered is there's something about being out in nature and then just to have someone facilitate it. So to have someone basically, I basically just give permission to be like, you don't have to do anything now. And they're like, oh, okay, I can appreciate nature or I can appreciate my life or I can be with these questions and be in this space. Um, you know, 
It's a it's it's an external adventure that allows us to connect with the internal adventure. And as we connect with that internal adventure, we start to discover, wait a second, nature is a great conduit, but I don't actually even have to be in nature to experience this. I can have adventure when I go to the convenience store. I can have adventure in building my business. I can have adventure in creating a project that I'm so passionate about and simultaneously terrified of. I can have adventure in finding my purpose. If we can enjoy the process, if we can feel good about the unfolding of the steps, it just makes life awesome because then I don't have to say like, well, someday, as soon as this business is up and running, as soon as I make a living, as soon as I make my first dollar, then I'll be some, then I'll be X, Y, Z. If you're in a place where you're like, as soon as, it's like, what's going to change? When are you going to stop? When is it going to stop being as soon as? And when can it shift to now, mm. today? Mm. So you've got a lot of alternative mindsets that you offer to people i mean you've been doing it all interview and and you do you live your life this way you kind of say okay well here's the status quo of how most of us go about life and that's working to a certain capacity it's getting you what you currently have yet if you're looking for something more it might be time to try something new and as a result you do some crazy shit or things that people might call are crazy um you know, and I'm I'm wondering how have you learned to deal with that? I mean, here's you were a pretty traditional dude in the sense that you you did well in school, you got a good job, you wanted to be the principal of where you taught, you were working on that path. I mean, you you were you were playing society's game, and now I mean, you, you couldn't be doing anything further from that. You're taking you know people out into the woods to do nothing. You're moving to Japan to become a ninja. You're going to Italy to do yoga for you know two or three weeks. You're you're just kind of doing whatever the hell you want to do. How do you navigate? How how can people who are listening navigate dealing with what other people think of them, specifically when they tell them you are fucking nuts? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a that's an amazing question. You must be you must be a fantastic coach. <laughs> um, I know that firsthand because obviously because you've coached me for quite a while. Um, it actually I, I, this goes back to actually a piece of the reason why I'm so drawn to be in nature and why I take so many walks because it, it's not it's not easy. It is definitely not easy. Um, it's I'm continually always wondering why am I doing what am I, what I'm doing? What's the reason behind this? And why am I here? And what do I really long for? What do I desire? And it's challenging because we have so many voices. We have friends, we have family, we have partners and relationships. And then we have all this information from courses and books and blogs and videos and seminars and so many things that all say this is it like this is what you got to do and so i'm continually take i continually every day which i don't think people need to i think there's value in creating whatever space you can um but i stepping back and just asking yourself why are you doing what you're doing why are you doing what you are doing um, there's a, a, a phenomenal book I was recently reading called The Key Person of Influence 
um, by Daniel Priestley. And one of the things that he's talking about is that he, he gives the example of an accountant who at the age of uh, – he's at the age of 35. He's really skilled in his work, but he's frustrated and he's tired. And what he says is that he, he traces it back and goes, when this person was 18 years old, they were great at math. And so at 18 years old, their very best thinking, their highest level thinking was, hey, I'm great at math. I should learn to be an accountant. That, that, and so they went to college for it. Then they went to college and then they, after going to college, then they got a job and they continued that job. At now at 35, their life is rooted in the best thinking of their 18-year-old self. Me, when I was a teacher, right? So when I was a teacher at 26 years old, I was doing this work. And the thing was, is that I came up with that idea and started along that at 21. So that means that I was existing at 20, actually at that point, 27. So I was existing as a 27-year-old. My entire life, my entire life plan was rooted in the best thinking of my 21-year-old self, hmm. which completely disregarded the, the, the previous seven years. Um, and so it's a really interesting thing to ponder of you know, what is your life right now where you live, the work you do, the relationships you have, all of these things, are they rooted in the best thinking you have today or they've rooted of the best thinking of your past. Then the terrifying question about that is, in what way is the best thinking of my past stopping me from the life I want now? That's so cool, man. What a powerful insight. And yeah, I just love it. You know, when I play with this concept, it brings me to a place of, it doesn't just uh, pan out this way in our careers, but also in who we show up in as the wor- in the world, right? It's like, so if as a child you learn that you need to not be emotional in order to get daddy's love, then you walked through life being this non-emotional person and suddenly you don't have the love you want or suddenly you're carrying around way more stress than is serving you. And so I, I love hearing, you know, your... Uh, version of of how you're playing with this what age is the your life rooted in what what thinking what consciousness and speaking of of age you know i'm going to ask you one last question and it's not your age but it's more (laughs) about if you had the opportunity to talk to your unborn child and you for whatever reason, would never get to see this child. You know, the child would grow up, it would, it would be healthy, it would live a good life. You never got to see it. But you had a minute or two to talk to that unborn child and give it some guidance on life. What might you say? Mm-hmm. Do what you love. Do what you love continually and never stop asking the question, what do I love? What would I love to do? What would I love to do? And then take the steps to do it. And it's always okay. And it will. It's an onion. You'll do it. You'll figure out I love this. You'll try it out. You'll play with it. And for a bit, you'll love it. And then something will change and something will shift and you won't love it anymore. And that's totally okay. It doesn't, that's, 
you had to go through that to figure out the next thing that you're going to love. And the love gets richer and deeper and more vast and the feelings become stronger um, as you go deeper into that quest. But do what you love to do. You, know, you, you, you must live with the choices that you make, which means anyone else who gives you advice or suggestions or tells you whatever to do, they don't have to live with the choices. So no matter how much of an obligation you may feel at times to other people, the, the biggest obligation you have is to your heart and your soul. So be, listen to those two places. That is amazing. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that, dude. Um, if people want to keep in contact with you, whether reach out directly or maybe go to your website, what's, what's the best way for people to engage with you and your work? Yeah, so a couple different options. There's, I, you can go on Facebook and add me on Facebook. You know, Ismail Arkin, um, Izzy Arkin. Um, or you go to whynotliveunawesomelife.com. Um, or shoot me a direct email, ismailarkin at gmail.com. Um, I, you know, actually, fuck it. I'm going to do old school Jacob Sokol style because i often difficult with email. Uh, 707-485-4064. Text me. That's great. Yeah, that is classic Jacob and uh, <laughs> <laughs> making me blush over here. <laughs> so, holy shit. So, Izzy just gave you his phone number, right? Like, there's so many uh, books and, and, and podcasts and people that you see online and oftentimes it can feel so inaccessible, right? You, you hear this wisdom and you're like, who is this random guru levitating in the Himalayas of, of you know, Nepal and what whatnot? Um, and it feels like I'm the only one. I don't really know anyone who can really support me with these deep, meaningful concepts. Wow, you just got offered an opportunity to connect with someone pretty intimately about what matters most to you. So Izzy, thank you for being here today. Uh, lots of love your way, my dude. And um, yeah, have a great rest of your day. All right. Peace, man. Soul Sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast and I'm excited to deepen our relationship to get to know each other better over time and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here and we run retreats all over the world. We've got people who connect with each other and support each other in living the most fulfilled life. And what I'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of The 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. It's a scientific-based approach to happiness, and there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world, and it's super grounded, super practical, how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it. The article's been shared over 100,000 times on Facebook, and there's some magic in there. So in order to grab a copy of that, you can go to thankyoujacob.com. Sounds simple, and it is. Thankyoujacob.com, and uh, grab that immediately, and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. Keep it real. Follow your heart, but bring your head. Peace.